Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. That was Bob Marley with Stare It Up, and you're listening to The Drum Radio, courtesy of the Marcus Graham Project. I am Candice Breelove, producer for Stir Agency and your host for today's show. If you have any questions for our guest today, you can call in at 646-378-0992 after the interview. Again, that is 646-378-0992. Let me give you a little bit of info on Stir Agency. We are IQA Winter Bootcamp Class of 2016. We have 15 members who are innovators and storytellers, always cooking up ideas and causing emotion. We hope to stir things up during this internship and most definitely make things memorable. On January 22nd, we will be hosting the Lemonade Stand from 6 to 8 p.m. at Leo Burnett. I know some of you will be fresh off work, so come and network with us. There will be drinks and lots and lots of business cards being passed out because we are trying to get jobs and not just jobs, just, you know, network and build relationships with all you professionals out there who are definitely looking for, you know, anybody that's interning or if you need workers, we are definitely eager to meet all of you. Today's theme for the show is Everything is Going to Be All Right. Here's Bob Marley on the Drum Radio. Keep it locked. have a special guest for today. He's Worldwide Chief Growth Officer at Leo Burnett. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Bill Hickman. How you doing, Bill? I'm doing great, Candice. And I got to tell you, I needed to hear that song from good old Bob after one week into this 2016 year. Can I just have you come play that song for me every week for the rest of the year? 
Um, maybe for the next two weeks, or if I, get, <laughs> I if I get a job in Chicago, I will definitely come visit you and play that song just for you. Sounds great. Okay, so Bill, how was your day today? Like, please tell me how was your day. I know you're a busy man. You got lots of work to do. Just tell me what a typical day for Bill Hickman is. Oh, a typical day. That's a tough one. But today's been great so far. You know, it's really nice having the uh, Grand Project participants just literally, what, 50 yards away from me for the next uh, (laughs) couple of weeks. And that keeps me going. That keeps me inspired. Uh, Typical day is about creatively solving problems. That's about the only way I can describe it. And that is what advertising is all about. And I'm I'm glad we're able to be here, and I want to thank you all for, you know, hosting us. And we definitely enjoy your company when you come and visit us. It's definitely fun. You know, you brighten up the room every time, you know. Good, good. Well, I'm glad. So, Bill, tell me about Bill-isms. What are Bill-isms? Bill-isms? <laughs> wow, somebody's <laughs> listening today, huh? <laughs> Got to be careful what I say. I, I I don't I don't have any idea how to answer that question. But being a Southerner, I definitely always have something to say about just about anything. And sometimes it comes out in a way that people seem to grab onto and and hold onto for a long time and play it back to me. So I I suppose it's just uh, ways in which I capture thoughts and ideas that we all share. Okay, you said you were from the South, right? Well, arguably, I grew up in Virginia, went to school in Virginia, and some people may argue whether that's the South or not, but it was the it was the capital of the South back in the day, so I consider myself an official Southerner, yes. Okay, I, I felt that connection because, you know, I, I was raised in Tennessee, so, you know, I felt the Very connection good. there. I, yeah, I A understand. Neighbor. Good. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely neighbors. So... Yeah, you had you had um you received your um BA in marketing and liberal arts. So you did double major, right? At Virginia Wesleyan College? I did. I actually the first half of my college career was at a small college called the College of William and Mary, which is in Williamsburg. And uh halfway through I transferred just really down the street to Virginia Wesleyan. And I'm sure people can appreciate this in large part because my mother worked there and the tuition became very affordable as a result. So I finished up my uh, my last half of college at Virginia Wesleyan, but, but both are liberal arts programs, both really great programs. And obviously you get a degree that is considered a, a Bachelor of Arts, but I focused or concentrated uh, in the area of marketing. So yeah, that's that's, I wouldn't call it a double major, but it was uh it was a liberal arts degree with a focus and concentration in marketing. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So did you um know that you always want to do marketing like before you applied for college? Absolutely not. I have an eighteen year old son <laughs> right now applying for college and I just had a conversation with him yesterday and said you know what, son, you're in the majority if you have no idea what you want to be when you grow up as you're trying to figure out what college to go to. I had I had no idea, Candace, to be honest, and it wasn't probably until midway through my college uh, experience that um, I actually had a my, my big brother in my fraternity who was 
uh, a senior when I was a freshman, but then ended up staying over for another year while I was at William & Mary, and obviously a very influential person in my life and was the best man in my wedding ultimately. And his now wife was his girlfriend in college then. So they, they, they sort of took me under their wing. And the way I ended up in advertising was in large part because I was in their wedding and his uncle was the president of a, of a very famous agency in the Detroit area called Campbell Ewald. And uh, he strategically had me sit next to, Uncle Pete during the rehearsal dinner and Uncle Pete and Aunt Jane getting to know me during the dinner, Uncle Pete said, Bill, what do you want to do when you graduate? And I said, I'm not sure, Mr. Dow. His name was Pete Dow. He said, well, your friend John is starting to work in advertising like I'm in, and I think you'd be great at it. So that's pretty much the moment in time when I said, well, maybe there is a job for me. And I spent the next couple of years focusing on preparing myself to, like you said at the uh, intro, get myself a job. And that was probably the, that was probably the most influential uh, moment in my life as it relates professionally, because when someone who's incredibly successful says to you, I think you would love this business and you'd be great, it, it, it definitely has an impact on you. So you didn't really find yourself until your 20s, right? That's exactly right. Well, and, that's assuming that's assuming that I found myself. I'm still looking. I never stop <laughs> asking myself what I'm going to be when I grow up. So uh, you at least found your passion, right? Like marketing is your passion. You were able to make all these accomplishments, especially for Leo Burnett and expanding the growth area. Like, how do you feel about that? Well, you know, we, uh, being a Leo Burnetter, a Burnetter as we like to say, <laughs> we of course, we of course, um, always, always refer to Mr. Burnett himself, Leo Burnett. And Leo was a great copywriter. And we have, and I should share this with you, Candace, at some point later today, maybe, but we have a little book that everyone in the agency gets when they, when they join, and it's called The 100 Leos. So it's 100 quotes from Leo Burnett himself. And the one that sticks with us all is when he says, when people ask me, how did I get into advertising? I tell them I didn't. Advertising got into me. So that's what's happened to me. And I think that's what happens to people who end up doing this for as long as I have, which is, you know, hate to admit it, but over a quarter century now. And the business gets into you, and it becomes who you are, and it's because you love it. So finding yourself or the business finding you, whichever way you want to look at it, but we have found one another. You want to know something funny, Bill? What's that? I actually read that book yesterday, and it took me two hours. I was on the bus and the train. And I basically sat there the entire time, and I read that entire book. It's an amazing, it's an amazing read, isn't it? Yes, I was when I first got it. I was like the hundred Leos, and I knew it had something to do with advertising, and I knew that it was going to be a great read. So I instantly like opened it, and I, I didn't pretty much want to put it down because it was a lot of information and a lot of wisdom. 
I love wisdom. Every time I come across a great quote, I basically instill it in my brain. And when you instill those type of quotes in your brain, you de- it will definitely change your life. And that's why I feel like yeah. Leo Burnett's book is going to do for me in the long run. When I, you know, instill these quotes, it's going to change my mindset and definitely change my life. That's how I feel. Exactly. And I, and, and I think it's because the quotes in that book have nothing whatsoever to do with Leo Burnett, but everything to do with human beings, people who pursue this ultimate drive to solve problems through creative solutions. So it doesn't matter if you work at Leo Burnett or any other agency, or for that matter, any other creative-oriented business. I think you can learn a lot from his wisdom. So I'm happy that you did see it. Yes. Okay, before entering the advertising field, what other jobs did you work? Like before you found marketing and well, probably the best job I've ever had in my life. And that includes the job that I have now. I will still stand up and say it was the best job I ever had. And I did it all through my college years. It was as a ocean lifeguard on Virginia Beach in Virginia <laughs> Beach, Virginia, which is where I grew up. So while I was in college, I played sports, and I needed to stay relatively fit in the summer, so it seemed like an obvious type of job to take, and I was always a, a, I mean, I grew up around the water, so I was good in the water and a strong swimmer, and I became a a lifeguard, you know, the kind, the Baywatch kind, before Baywatch, so no one teased me about David Hasselhoff (laughs) or any of that nonsense, but that's exactly what it was, and I, to this day, will tell anybody who asks me, it was the best job I ever had. Because it combined just this incredible opportunity to make contributions that are unlike any other. And that's what all first responders do. You know, you actually help people stay alive, which is great. Right. But but we got free admission to all the bars and free beer every night. <laughs> because, <laughs> because because it seemed like wherever the lifeguards would go, all the tourists would follow. So it was it was just a it was just a fantastic experience. I met my wife doing that job of now 25 plus years and Aww. it just I look back on it and I think to myself there will never be a better job than standing on or sitting on that stand watching over all of these people, meeting new people every week as they would come in and out for their week-long vacations from all over the country and uh having a great group of folks to work with, men and women alike. So I love that job. And I think, if anything, it it proved to me how much I love uh, studying people because we study people every day in our line of work, advertising. But you also have to study people when you're in a lifeguard stand watching them. You're trying to protect them, but you're doing so hoping to prevent them from getting into a bad situation. So I think I learned a lot more about people than I even know to this day, just sitting there for all of those hours watching people and trying to make sure that they didn't didn't put themselves in harm's way. Okay, so speaking of people, you like to study people. If you could have dinner with anyone in the world, who would you choose? Wow. Do they have to be alive? <laughs> Dead or alive. Dead or alive. Okay, that helps. Okay, I'm going to give you three. How about this? I'm going to give you three because it might as well be a dinner party. Right. Okay, so for the food, I would probably invite Andrew Zimmern, who is the host of Bizarre Foods, 
Okay. And I watch him. I watch him every other night that he's on TV. Uh, he's on the Travel Channel, and you know I've lived abroad and lived in some some places that uh, introduced me to interesting and bizarre foods, and I love that. I love I love the fact that foods that we aren't accustomed to tell you so much about people and culture, even if it's eating bugs, which by the way I have. For entertainment, bugs. Yeah, like bugs. Oh, bugs. bugs. I thought you. I thought you said tree barks. I'm like, okay. No, No, like beetles and stuff. You know, it's pretty pretty crazy. Um, For I I think for the intellectual thought, it probably would be Daniel Boone. Okay. So Daniel Boone, me being a Virginian, he had he had, uh, you know, he lived his life in part in your home state of Tennessee, but also Virginia. He sat on the Virginia General Assembly back during the Revolutionary War period. But the reason I would really love to sit and have a long conversation with Daniel Boone is he was probably one of the most archetypal uh, American heroes we've ever known. You know, his folklore, there were TV shows, and he was a great, great frontiersman. And I love any chance I get when I'm not working, I, I, I really want to be outdoors, whether it's in the woods or under the water or on a beach. But I, I, I just love to explore, and I love I love everything that Daniel Boone represented, the simplicity of it, but then also the fact that he was such a had such a powerful influence over not only our country but individuals all the way to the uh, to his end, which was the you know the Alamo. So I think Daniel Boone would be amazing to have a conversation with. And then finally, just for like kicks and giggles and some entertainment, I'd say Kim Kardashian. <laughs> the good old I Kim just, Kardashian. I just want to see with my own two eyes, what in the world is everyone's fascination with her? I and mean, you I, you know, I probably, out, let me know. <laughs> yeah, I probably would learn the most I could ever possibly learn about building a brand out of nothing. <laughs> Sorry, Kim. Don't mean to, don't mean to sound mean, but, Anyway, I suppose those would be the three that I'd love to have to dinner. How's that sound? Sounds great. Like, it seems like you already had in your mind these people you are interested in meeting and just having a conversation with. And sure. And quite sure you've studied. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so going back, you said you traveled a lot, and I know you've traveled to Indonesia. Tell me about your, your experiences in Indonesia. Well, I didn't just travel there. I I lived abroad in my job for almost nine oh, years. Oh, okay. I, yeah, I actually worked. Um, I worked for an agency called J. Walter Thompson for the first ten years of my career, and it was with them that I had my first international assignment, and that was in Jakarta, Indonesia, and that mm-hmm. was prior to the uh, prior to the political uh, coup that took place when President Soharto had been in power for 31 years and then um, uh, a woman whose name is Megawati Sukarno-Putri, who was actually the daughter of the man that the then President Soharto had overthrown 31 years earlier, she came out of the shadows and ended up becoming the next president. So I was there at a very interesting time. Yeah, and after that I was moved to uh, Singapore for a very brief uh, stint, and then on to Bangkok, Thailand. 
And I lived in Thailand actually twice, once with J. Walter Thompson, and then I moved back to the country during the economic crisis that took place. They called it the Asian flu, economic flu, and then Mm -hmm. actually became a part of the Leo Burnett world and was sent back out there and uh, uh, worked in the Leo Burnett office in Bangkok for three years and then came back. And now I'm here in Chicago at the at the worldwide headquarters. Okay, so out of all the places you've lived at, which which city or country is your favorite? Well, I don't have one. Let me tell you why. Because I've actually moved professionally 15 times. So I've been in this business for a little over 25 years, but I've moved 15 times. And I don't mean... I've moved to a different part of town. I've moved to different states, if not countries. And what you learn is that rather than compare where you are today with where you maybe were before, you begin to realize that no matter where you are, if you choose to find what's really fantastic about that place, you'll love it. So I would right. tell you that I've never, I've never lived anywhere that I hated or that I said, say to myself, I'd never want to live there again. Because I chose to find what was really great about it. So even though I was living in places in Asia that many Americans would say, how can you possibly live there? Because there's open sewage and the smells and the dogs running around and the, you know, the snakes and the bugs and everything. Well, you know, I hardly have met nicer people in this world than Thai people. And there was an incredible amount of drive and passion and beauty in Indonesia. So I I wouldn't tell you that one place is my favorite. I mean, I always say my favorite place in the world is where I grew up, which is home. But I would think that's true for most people. Yeah, I I pretty much figured you would say home. You know, you were born you were born there, right? I know you're born in born in Virginia. Yeah. No place like home. Okay. Yeah, and there's no place like home. Okay, so going back, you said you ate a lot of food and you like you like to show bizarre foods. What was the craziest thing you've eaten? Like something if you tell if you told a normal person that you've eaten this food and they'd be like, "What? Are you serious?" Like like t- let me know what what food did you eat? <laughs> well, some of it I wouldn't even know how to describe it to you cuz I'm not sure exactly what I was eating. But <laughs> You know, I think the I think the I think the one um, you know the one kind of food that people always get a kick out of me describing to them is when I lived in Thailand at night. If you were on the street, if you can just imagine, say New York City at night, and you've got the vendors that are on the street selling hot dogs and eros and pretzels and nuts and all of that. So if you think about that mm-hmm. image, but imagine that it's Bangkok, Thailand. Every night around 10 o'clock, there are guys and gals that push around these carts, and they are full as though they were uh, bins of candy or cookies. They're just full of bugs, everything from grasshoppers to big beetles to these cockroaches and wasps and bees and all of these kinds of worms, all sorts of stuff. And they typically deep fry them all, and they're just – it's as though you're just – grabbing handfuls of peanuts and uh, 
I had my fair share of those. They all tasted like French fries and potato chips to me, but hey, it's worth trying. So how how much did they charge for these for these bugs? How much money did they cost? Oh, pennies. Just pennies. Food 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 pennies is not very bugs, expensive huh? in developing countries. Wow. You know, maybe a, maybe a dime or an, a quarter or a nickel depends. Okay, so you've done a lot of traveling. You were able to experience different types of food, you've been to different places, you worked a lot of jobs. How do you balance life and work, you know, having that time to yourself and doing what you got to do to keep food on the table and your bills paid? How do I balance the time? Yes, that time to yourself. Well, let me go let me let me go back to uh what I was quoting Leah to have said that you know, you don't get into the business, the business gets into you. Um, I, I never really truly stopped working. Now, that may sound horrible because it would seem as though I never go to my, uh, you know, sporting events and all that. That's not true. I've coached for many, many, many years and, and uh, you know, you balance it. But to me, it's just one life. I don't compartmentalize it and separate it. Uh, my son is a creative young man, and so oftentimes when we're at home, we're talking about, you know, wouldn't this be a great film to make, or wouldn't this be a really interesting new idea? So uh, I, I think that the balance isn't so much work less, work more, uh, although there's there's a part of it that's true. You don't mm-hmm. you don't want to just completely balance yourself, but I think if you're in something that you love. It doesn't feel like work, and right. you, you just you just have to know um, more more than anything. It's physically where you are. You know, <laughs> for me, this is just for me. You know, just physically making sure I'm in the right best place at that moment. So if I need to be more physical, physically in a place where you know I'm in a basketball gym watching my 12 year old play basketball versus I'm in a boardroom having a meeting. Because we're in a very modern world, and I think, you know, we're incredibly mobile now, and you don't have to feel slave to a particular location, um, and you multitask. Speaking of multitasking and living in a modern world, what is your favorite campaign you worked on? The one I haven't made yet. Hmm. <laughs> I know that's a tricky way to answer your question. I've worked on a lot of some more famous, some not so famous, but campaigns that I can tell you that I'm proud of. But, you know, I think this business is one where we're never, ever, ever truly satisfied. We're always asking what we could have done different, what we think we should have done that we didn't do. So people ask me that question often as though there's a definitive answer. And I always answer the question the same way. And that is, it's the one that I've yet to produce because when you feel like you've cracked it and you've done it, I think you lose the drive. Mm -hmm. It's a little bit like athletes, you know, you know, you never, the, the minute you stop having an appetite to win, or in our case, to make something great, better, never before seen, 
I would suggest maybe you're you're at the end of the rope for your career, you know. And I so I I might do something fantastic, and then say I I'm ready for the next one. But you know we've done a lot of famous campaigns here in Chicago over the last three or four years, whether it's the Allstate Mayhem campaign or some of the work we've done for Firestone or McDonald's or you know, Fifth Third Bank. There are things that I've done in my past, like the Cadillac Breakthrough Campaign that made our client Marketer of the Year. Uh, I did some fantastic work in Asia, like the Amazing Thailand Campaign, which to this day still is running some 10 years Mm -hmm. later. So I've been a part of a lot of campaigns, but I I just, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm I'm really not the type of person that looks backwards as much as I say, well, what's next? (laughs) That's probably what makes me feel so tired all the time. I truly understand. Um, What are your thoughts on the shift in the industry due to the effects of social media? You know, social media plays a huge part in advertising nowadays. And what are your thoughts on that? What are my thoughts on the effect of or the impact of social media? Mm -hmm. I think in a a word, relevance. So – I would I would tell you that when I started in this business, advertising was as much a definer of what people considered relevant as anything. But now that we live in a world that enables every individual to have a say instantaneously on virtually anything, I think it's the job of, of our industry to help our clients and our clients' brands stay relevant, maintain relevance, and connect to what the world is telling them is relevant. Because in the, you know, in the days in which I started, there were three, you know, there weren't that many TV channels and there certainly was no real prominent internet or technological influence. So what I think is, you know, social media allows people to have so much power and so much of a voice that brands are almost in some ways at the mercy of what people think in real time. So brands have to use social media as a means by which to A, understand what people think is relevant, but Mm -hmm. then B, make sure that they're attaching themselves to people's worlds in the most relevant way. So my answer to your question would be, in a word, relevance. It's a relevance game now. It's not just an awareness game. Oh, definitely, because, you know, there's always a new story coming out each week, and there's something that's, like, breaking news. Like, people need to know what is going on through every platform, whether it's social media, through commercials, TV, radio. People need to know, you know, we need to spread that awareness of what's going on in the world, especially if it's important. Right. But but I think what's even more important, Candace, is once people are aware of what's going on in the world, they're able to respond to it. They're able to react and tell the world what they think about it. And that's what tells everybody what the world considers relevant or not. And brands who exactly. don't listen, brands who don't listen are obviously doomed to become irrelevant. And if a brand becomes irrelevant, it it dies. 
So to me, the game that we play today is one of relevance. How do you maintain relevance in a world that, to your point, changes by the second? Can you tell me about the Cobra story? The Cobra story? (laughs) (laughs) So who have you been talking to today, young lady? (laughs) Hey, we've done our research now. Third on play. Yeah, well, well, the cobra the cobra story is not as uh as romantic as it may sound at first, but the 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 cobra story that I'm I'm assuming you're referencing is is sometimes when and I say this particularly about some of the uh folks that have been in this business for a long time with me but have only ever worked in the US and they start to complain about how hard something is to get done mm-hmm. because you know we get we get spoiled i mean technology and and having lots of resources at your disposal you you start to take for granted and i tell the story that right. you know when i was working in indonesia uh during a during a time when uh we were trying to do work for our clients and we happened to be my office happened to be just two or three blocks from what the Indonesians consider their White House, you know, where their president goes to work and lives every day. I I would tell stories that, you know, besides the monsoons and besides the technological challenges with port infrastructure, you know, imagine that you're, imagine that you have uh, tear gas come over your, you know, your wall, if you will, because we all had gated compounds. And when you were when you were asked to leave, you went out to the main road in front of you, and you realized that the uh, that basically their army was dispersing a a crowd of demonstrators with baskets full of cobras. They literally would just take baskets full of snakes and throw them in the middle of the crowd to make the crowds disperse. <laughs> so that's when you know you're having a challenging day in advertising. Mm-hmm. Speaking of um, challenges and everything, you know, the theme is everything is going to be all right. For our listeners, can you please give us some advice or motivation? I know you got some well, for me. Well, <laughs> well, you asked me for two things, <laughs> advice and motivation. I suppose the uh, the advice would be, well, The only advice I can give you is the advice that I try to live by myself and I share with all of my the members of my team as often as they want it. And that is, you know, we are in a we are in a business where ultimately we're asked to solve problems. Mm -hmm. And my advice to solving problems is first, assume nothing. Do not go into that process assuming anything. Assume nothing. Challenge everything, whatever may have been or whatever people may think, challenge, and then look Mm -hmm. for the one and very best solution, but with one caveat. Never let perfection get in the way of opportunity. Never, ever, ever let being perfect cause you to miss the opportunity. So I think that would be my piece of advice, and my, my motivational thought would be look up. For crying out loud, would you all please look up? Take your face <laughs> off of those damn screens and look around this glorious earth, this universe, this world, the people around you. Smell the air. See the monarchs hatching out on Wacker Avenue in front of this Burnett building in the springtime. Take some time to just look up and around because 
that's where you're really going to find out what matters to you. It's not going to be it's not going to be on a little screen, I promise you. Well, thank you for joining us today, Bill. I definitely appreciate you, you know, spending time with us. You could have been anywhere in the world doing anything, but you are here with their agency. Thank you. My pleasure. My pleasure. It's very flattering that you guys asked me to do it. I hope I didn't embarrass you. Oh, no, it was a, it was great. It was great. <laughs> Good. Well, that's all for today. Thank you for listening. You know, special thanks to the Marcus Graham Project and our sponsor, Leo Burnett. Don't forget the lemonade stand on the 22nd from 6 to 8 p.m. at Leo Burnett. On behalf of Stir Agency, we hope that you've enjoyed the show. Be looking out for next week's show. Thanks for listening to the Drum Radio. I am Candace Bree Love again. Thank you. Have a great day. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.